Welcome to Camden Cast, our 7th Heaven Podcast. I'm Tanvi. I'm Erin. This is, like, once again, our 7th Heaven Podcast, and we're at the end of Season 9. Very exciting. On today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be talking about Season 9, Episode 22. The title is Mi Familia, Part 2. The IMDb user synopsis is, Simon brings for a stay-at-home his still-sex-starved girlfriend, Rose. She proves a spoiled brat while Ma hypocritically goes Victorian about kissing, let alone bedroom arrangements, Kevin fears they consider marriage. Hell, she does! Social services, Eric, and the prospective foster adoptive Smith parents are stuck as long as the Davies siblings' mother refuses to waive her maternal rights just to keep them institutionalized, but the good kids resent testifying what a bad mother the addict is. Vincent's lies to break up with Ruthie make her believe Martin considers dumping Zoe for her, but noble Martin's greatest wish finally comes true. Kevin explains to the twins about fledglings leaving the loving nest. Lucy keeps despairing Kevin and her parents by being hopelessly picky for a home, and even abuses Sunday rest to suspend searching, so they're ready to accept without questions her sudden, surprising choice. Wow, just a note on the thing about the Davies siblings' mother refusing to waive her maternal rights. Wave is spelled W-A-V-E. Oh, uh, like so, wave. like wave, like to wave to someone. Or like the wave in the ocean. The wave. Or like the wave at a sporting event, but not like the wave as in to like to wave surrender your, your heights, to surrender rights. rights or something. Yes. So, what was your first impression of this episode? Um, of course. Wait, I'm going to clarify because it's like a part two of a season finale, so usually have thoughts about that. I do. Um, actually, I think this one was probably on level with its counterpart in the, f- the first part. Um, you know, my usual thoughts are that they, they really, when I say they kill the second part, not that they kill it like, oh, he killed it, but like he killed it like, oh, damn, he killed it. Like, it was not good. Um, but this was actually done, I, th- I thought it was fairly, like, an acceptable episode. Um, there was enough drama and stuff going on. But I think what Seventh Heaven's problem is, is they don't really stick to their characters. Or, like, there's very few characters that stay in character throughout even an episode, let alone, like, a season or the show. Um, and I'm not talking about like char- character growth. I'm talking about just there is well when we talk about time and storyline, especially you'll see he goes from having proposed to someone in the episode before to not realizing he proposed to someone to not wanting to get married to immediately get wanting to get married. So WTF? Yeah, I don't know. I have a problem with the writers of this show. Uh, but let's get into it. Um, we have the cold open as we usually do. Uh, in the cold open this time around, we start with Vincent is still gay. Yes. He uh, and Martin are cooking up a bit of trouble in that Vincent's still afraid to tell Ruthie that he wants to meet other women in, or other girls in Hawaii. And <clears throat> now Ruthie thinks that Martin is in love with her. Uh, so, yeah, that's just reiterated what we learned in the last episode. And then um, we are reminded that Rose still exists and she appears at Simon's door and she's like, let's go out for a drive um, to Glen Oak because I want to want you to meet my parents and I want you to meet, wait, I want you to meet my parents and I mm-hmm. want to meet your parents. Mm-hmm. 
because apparently Rose is also from Glen Oak, which begs the question, how did they not meet previously? Because it seems like there's like the one high school in Glen Oak and the one church, and we know that it would be controversial if Rose were not a church-going person or like was of a different religious affiliation as with was the case with Sarah. So Yeah, why haven't we seen her before? That is a good point. Right. Like you would think that they would have known each other somehow uh, previously. And also why can't they just find someone that isn't from Glen Oak? Like why does a person need to be from Glen Oak? Correct. Like God. Okay, so that's the end of the cold open. Um we're gonna start by talking by finishing up the Davis children's storyline. So where we left it was that the, all the Davis children were going to get ado- uh, or fostered and then eventually adopted by um, Cecilia's, Cecilia's parents. Yeah. Um, what, is, what are their names? The Smiths? Uh, yeah, George, George and Gwen, Gwen Smith. Um, but then their biological mother is trying to, is, not, is refusing to terminate her rights and is getting in the way of it. So when we get back, we are meeting with the social worker and trying to figure out, and the Rev is trying to figure out what can they do to possibly fix this. So the first thing they need to do is make sure that George and Gwen are in for the long haul. And guess what, guys? It's the season finale, and they could afford... Gwen? Yeah. She came, and she had words to say. Multiple words. Um, remember, Gwen is played by the actress who plays Xenon's aunt in Xenon, the girl of the 21st century. Yeah. And... The sequels. Um, uh, yeah, so, um, I don't know. So, first, well, we learned, we learned in the last episode that there was, like, a hiccup in this because the Davies children's mother was, like, not going to relinquish her parental rights, which would prevent the Smiths from adopting the children. So, we kind of open with, like, uh, it's, I guess, the woman from the group home or whatever and the Rev, and the Smiths, and the woman who, like, runs the foster program or whatever is like, oh, when I have a problem with family court or or family, like, whatever, I go straight to the head, and I was like, oh, is she going to, like, pray or something that this woman will give up her parental rights? But no, she does something entirely illegal and sits down with the Rev and uh, the judge that will be hearing this case and it's like, well, how do we make our case stronger, Judge? Basically, like asking, like, what will make you, uh, what will make you decide this case in our favor? And I don't know, like, I'm not gonna, if just like Google ex parte communication, it's just it's very illegal, and I don't know why. Like, basically, you can't like talk to the judge. Can't talk about a, ca- a case with anyone really outside, outside of, the, of the courtroom. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so. And they're actively having this conversation. And basically, and she's also given input on, like, how she's going to swing her, like, decision and what factors she will take into consideration. She's basically like, oh, yeah, if the kids tell me they want to move out and move in with the, da- with the Smith family, she's like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'll definitely weigh that very heavily in my decision. So, so the Rev's plan is to make sure that the children speak the truth. But when it's time to meet with the children to tell them that this is what they need to do if they want to, like, continue this process with Cecilia's parents, Greg and Gwen, they back out. They don't want to, basically, in the court of law, tell their mother that she's a shitty mother. Which, actually, this is, like, incredibly noble, but also 
a very shitty position for like children to be in. So the way that the one of the the eldest, and she's not the eldest, but the second eldest, I guess. What's her name? Uh, Meredith. Meredith. Yeah. She. The way that she explains it is that they like th- that their mother has hurt them because she's a drug addict and um, she's constantly drinking. But if they go ahead and like say all the things that, that she's done to hurt them, then that's going to push her even more into alcoholism and addiction. And how crazy is that, that they have that kind of re- responsibility on their shoulders? I don't know. It made me feel for them. But I'm also highly emotional well, all I mean, the time. Yeah, I don't know. It's shitty. It's just, you know. So they're like, well, we'd rather just be in this group home than go and like tell her the truth about this, about what she's done to us. And I don't really know what happens, but basically off screen, the, the Smith parents and the children figure it out themselves because the next thing we know, the children and the Smiths are visiting um, the Reverend Annie at the Cam Casa and they're saying, well, we're going to just slow down and they're going to move in with us, which is not really So, cool. yeah, apparently they like reached out to the mother of the Davis kids and... She's like, oh, I'm not ready to let someone else adopt them, but I'm willing to let you still foster them so that they can all be together or whatever. So um, this, like, I don't know, this woman changes her mind, and she's like, okay. I guess it's because they couldn't afford Mackenzie Phillips for another episode, which is fair. Yeah. Um, But that's really that storyline, so it's a happy ending for all. I mean, you know, involved in that storyline. The Smiths get their their new family, and the Davis kids get to be together in a new house, and Mackenzie Phillips gets to continue being a mother and name. I don't know. Wow. But I'm also actually pretty glad here, um, I will say, that this isn't something that the Rev fixed himself. You know? Like, usually we have the Rev being the one that's the hero at the end, but they kind of figured this out on their own. The Rev was kind of a bystander. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Um, We'll move to the Camdens next. Um, So first we're going to talk about Ruthie, Vincent, and Martin. This um, triangle, if you will. Um, So Vincent is still in a pickle. This was actually like the stupidest thing because they they just keep going back and forth and having the same conversation over and over again. First, uh, like... What is it? The what? That the like Vincent goes to uh, Martin. Martin and is like, "What did you do? Everything is worse now." And then Martin's like, "Tell her the truth." And he's like, "I don't want to have any part in this. I'm not into wacky schemes because um, I'm not a Camden." Yeah. So he tells Vincent to tell the truth, but then Vincent chickens out, doesn't tell Ruthie the truth. Ruthie then goes to Martin and is like, what did you say to my boyfriend? Just because you can't have me doesn't mean he can't have me. And then Martin's like, you need to talk to Vincent because he wanted to break up with you. So then Ruthie talks to Vincent. They break up. And Ruthie's like, never call me again. And then Ruthie goes back to Martin to apologize. And they have a heated hug. Um... (laughs) And I guess that, that, I mean, do you have anything else to say about that? No, it's just like, the the, the whole uh, plot or whatever, the the way they like stretch this out is like miscommunications and everyone just being angry, you know. Why is she angry at me now? Oh, because like you, I don't know, she's even more convinced, like, I I don't know, she's more convinced now that because of 
I, whatever. I don't know how to articulate what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's supposed to be like hijinks of like people running into each other and like thinking the wrong thing and stuff, but it's just I think it falls flat. Um, mostly because you remember, like I don't know, I never got into Vincent's character. I want him to have his happy gay life, and. Every time they're like, I know the truth about Vincent. I'm just like, you don't, though. Um, but he's going to Hawaii, and he'll have other girlfriends, and we'll never see him again. And I'm sure Ruthie will move on to somebody else, maybe Martin. And, yeah. Uh, the next person who I think probably has the biggest storyline in this episode will probably be Simon. I guess. Um, not that it would. All right. Um, so remember, Simon and Rose are going to Glen Oak to meet each other's parents. Uh... Rose is horrible. Yes, she is, as Annie says, condescending and I don't know what else, but condescending is like probably the best word for, uh, for her. Uh, yeah. Um, so when she comes into the Camden house, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a little mini rant here. I hate that this show repeatedly tries to, and try to, tries to make out the Camden house as a like small house and that they're a very poor family and they don't have a lot of money like yes they probably are a poor family and they probably don't have a lot of money or they're like fiscally like you know like conservative or fiscally like um they don't like spend tons and tons of cash yeah but the house does not really reflect yeah their i guess presumed i don't want to say like their their limited means uh because it seems like like, they live, you know, they, Rose says something about, like, the decor, and she's like, I watch those home improvement shows, and, like, I know how you can de- decorate on, like, a budget, but, like, the Camden house is usually, like, pretty tastefully decorated, and For, like, I don't the know. Time. Yeah, like, it doesn't, like, it's not over the top, but it's not, like, dumpy. I would never say that, like, it, it's, it's well-maintained, and it looks like a normal, like, if you got that many kids, like it looks like a normal size house that like a family that large would live in. And every person has a bed, and actually there's extra beds <laughs> now. Yeah. Like, and anyway, but she's like, oh, the, we can stay in my house. There's a ton of guest rooms there, and we have multiple b- bathrooms and blah blah blah. And I'm like, this is a pretty massive house. Why? Like, it, I guess the only issue is that there's one, ba- like, what, two bathrooms? One bathroom? Well, there's the bathroom in, like, in the master bedroom, so that's, like, pretty much exclusively Annie and the Revs, and then all of the kids have to share one bathroom. But when you look at, like, who the kids are, okay, first of all, weren't they going to put a bathroom? Wasn't the whole thing with moving Lucy and Mary up to the attic was they were like, oh, we're going to put another bathroom up there? Yeah. So it's possible that Ruthie has her own bathroom, but Simon was like, all the kids have to share a bathroom. But, like... Two of the kids who have to share a bathroom are, like, little boys who don't, like, take a lot of time, I don't think, in the bathroom, like, outside of bathing and, like, I don't know. And Annie tried to also include baby Savannah in the bathroom, which right. she definitely is <laughs> she not definitely is, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, but, yeah, the point is that, like, Rose makes a massive deal about this house being small and, like, not Up to her like, standards, yeah. basically. And which is completely false. Um, and she makes a bad impression on every single person. And, uh, sh- the main point in this scene is basically that she wants to share a bedroom with Simon, but, you know, Annie's like, no. Which, also, why is Rose acting surprised about this? Like, 
Right, because, I mean, Simon has made it clear that he does not want to have sex with her until they're married or whatever. And also, like, I think this is normal behavior. Like, you bring home a significant other, unless you're married or maybe, like, engaged. I feel like it's usually normal behavior for parents to be like, uh, don't sleep in the same bed. Like, I'm sure certain parents, like, I, don't, I mean, I feel like it's normal to say either way. Like, oh, you can sleep in the same bed or you, you don't. You can't sleep in the same bed. But, like, I don't think it's... She's acting like, oh, my God, so conservative. Like, no. And also she should... I don't know. If they, like, know each other so well, I feel like she should know this already. But uh, she's terrible. Yeah, I don't like her at all. And I I said this last time, too, but if they were really going to make this character really important for Simon in his life and be a life-changing character for Simon, they should have put her in episodes ago to build up their relationship instead of introducing her in the last episode and now making us try to believe that this is the love of Simon's life or whatever. Um, so this kind of storyline progresses into the fact that everybody is trying, is starting to question why Rose is there and what's going on with Rose and Simon, especially when they find out that Rose and Simon are not having sex because Annie and Kevin are now convinced that Rose wants something way more serious with Simon than, Simon thinks. And this is when something like goes ding dong in Simon's head because he's like, marriage? But also, the very last scene of the last episode... Was it, like, it made it seem like they were going to get married or something. I don't know. I Yeah, exactly, because it was like, oh, Simon Camden, are you asking me to marry you? Uh, Rose, whatever the fuck your last name? Um, am I asking you to marry me? Like, it's just, they were talking about marriage and potentially being together for the rest of their lives. And then when Rose is like, I thought you wanted to marry me. I thought you proposed to me. Simon was like, no. <laughs> That's not... So they have, like, a little fight about that. And Simon's very much like, I don't want to get married. I'm not ready to get married. I think I might love you. I like you. But I don't want to marry you yet. And then the very next scene with them, they agree to get married. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense. He goes from... Well, no, they don't agree to get married. As Simon puts it when he announces it to everyone, he's like, I agreed that I will ask Rose to marry me at some point in the future, which I guess is an agreement to get married, but it's just like, they don't have an agreement right now. Because so I guess he's... it's like a promise ring, or... I guess. Right? That's what those are, right? <laughs> yeah. It's I like a it. pre-engagement ring? Yeah. Uh, did he give her a ring? I missed No, he that. didn't. Yeah. They, no, his, instead of a ring, they're having sex. That's... <sighs> what's happening um but i just want to say it it seems really ridiculous for simon to be so shocked that she thought that they were getting married they talked about marriage 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 uh Um, but so at at the end of this episode they are having plans to get married soon which is fine and dandy except she is terrible and he should have married cecilia or even better dina I don't, yeah, I don't like her. She's terrible, and she doesn't get any better. She actually only gets worse. So I also wonder where, um, you know, like, I like to think about long-term plans. I wonder if this is what they wanted for Simon long-term. No. Or is it because, I think... I don't think that they ever had, you always go back to this, but I don't think that they actually have any plans for anyone, ever. (laughs) I I think it's just, they float around. Oh, I guess it's whatever actors they can get to stay in for longer. Yeah, because obviously Dina was on to bigger and better things as a musician. 
I think. Yeah, she was like singing or something. Well, I... And Ashley Simpson was pretending to sing, so... Right, that's true. Well, I, I just always thought they had Simon going in a different direction, but then when Mary left the show, they needed another bad kid, so they put Simon... Simon hasn't done anything bad. He had, well, in like the eyes of the Camdens. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to the apparently only good kid in the Camden house, Lucy. Um... Oh, yeah, I also just, it's, like, weird that Ruthie hasn't interacted with either one of the parents in, like, since that episode where she got punished because of something with Vincent or whatever. She's not interacting with anybody that isn't Martin or Vincent. Right, it's a little bit strange. Yeah, she hasn't talked to Simon. She didn't, she's not, not had a scene with Lucy or Kevin or anyone, really. Yeah, it's just that triangle. <sighs> Triangles. Um, all the rage nowadays. Uh, so Lucy and Kevin are kind of in this position where Lucy's trying to convince Kevin that she's serious about finding house and Kevin doesn't really believe her. Uh, this continues on for the majority of this episode until Lucy, oh, because Lucy goes, it's Sunday. We don't, Sunday's a day of the rest of a day of rest, which brings us back to a callback. Do you remember the first ever sermon that Lucy gave? Um, Her, no. <laughs> it, was, it was on Sundays, remember? On how oh, everything, yeah. it, everybody's lives are shitty because we don't appreciate Sundays for what they are. Yeah. And I guess they're bringing that back because Sundays are really important to Lucy, although they weren't important to her from that sermon up until this episode. Yeah, well, um, happens. This, this storyline wraps up, basically, because there's nothing really going on in between. Um, with Lucy... Buying the house next door. Yeah, so in case you didn't realize that... Well, first, so Kevin bought the house that was like a few blocks away from the Cam Casa, and then he had to sell it back to the people because whatever. Um, But Lucy kicks it up a notch by purchasing the house that's literally in the backyard of her parents' house because that isn't weird at all that she, like is so attached to her parents that she wants to, uh, well, like, live in their backyard. Uh, yeah, especially because it's not like this house is, like, a gem. It's, it's dilapidated. Yeah. The, the front and insides of the house are completely messed up, and they're going to need to redo everything. And Lucy's first plan is to create some sort of gate between the Cam Casa fence and their are we going to have to come up with a name for the Lucy house? No. Okay, cool. I don't know. What's like a... Kirk. That's a bad... Kingdom. <laughs> no. King... King... Kingdom. King Kirk... King... Kirk Kingdom. Kirk Kingdom. Kirk, Kirk Kingdom. Kingdom. I think I like it. <laughs> Kirk no, Kingdom. I don't like it. Let's, let's uh, stop it. Okay. Uh, you're embarrassing me. Uh, well, whatever. So they got to fix up this house. So... Well, we're we're at the end of the season, so like presumably they'll be moved in by the start of season ten, because uh, like they'll have the summer to fix it up or something. And that's Lu- so Lucy's finally moving out, which is great. Um, and the last kind of real thing happening is this off-season storyline with Mary. Um, we can't, We already know where Mary's at, right? She's given up parental rights to Charlie. She is divorced. To a div- she's divorced Carlos and she's living in Chicago. The only thing that really needs to happen in the storyline is that Annie needs to find out. 
And instead of telling Annie immediately, the Rev lies. Don't know why, but he's like, oh, uh, well, all right. Annie's like, I have to go to London to go talk some sense into Mary because I called their house in New York and the phone is disconnected and uh, etc. So something must be wrong and I need to go and find out uh, what's going on. And the Rev is like, no, you don't because Mary was only in London for a training and now she's in Chicago and he doesn't say anything else before Annie is like, oh, of course, that makes sense. That's why the phone's disconnected, because Carlos and Charlie, like, they're all back together now, and they're all living in Chicago. That's great. I can't wait to talk to her. And she's really happy for a quarter of this episode, until finally the Rev gets his, like, figures out that he can't continue lying to his wife, and explains that they got divorced, and that she's abandoned her son, and that she is giving up custody of him. Mm-hmm. This hits Annie really hard. Annie, you know, is kind of having a hard time reconciling the fact that she says, as she says, how can two subtle responsible people create such irresponsible children? Which is, ugh. They're not irresponsible. Aaron brought up this point as we were watching it. Like, they're making divorce sound like it's evil. Yeah, like, I, and like, this is like the mid-2000s. Divorce was super, super, like... It's well, divorce rates are actually on the decline thanks to millennials because millennials are waiting longer to get married, and I guess that means that they're divorce. less likely to get divorced because they are actually like thinking about who they're marrying. Millennials killing the divorce industry. Yeah. So, but like really, from like the mid or like early '80s up until like the 2010, divorce was real popular. So, I don't know. I don't know why the, why everyone wasn't doing it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Annie takes this kind of hard, so it's kind of like a bittersweet ending. Um, and it's really a bittersweet ending because Annie knows that Mary's, like, her daughter has done this thing that's really hurtful to her. But also, Martin's dad's home. And the entire Camden family, plus Rose, shows up to greet him home. Which is, I guess, nice for him. I mean, he did two tours of Iraq, and he gets to come home to random strangers. But yeah, Martin has his dad back. Woo! And that's the end of season nine. I feel like it was kind of anticlimactic. I have no idea what happened this season. I mean, Simon had sex. Ruthie got to start dating, even though she had already dated Peter. Um, and her first boyfriend was gay. Lucy had a baby, and now she has a house. Yeah. Um, Mary got had a baby and a divorce. And Matt, And we'll never see her again, although we do see her one day. And Matt I don't Matt's in med school. Oh, oh yeah, they also have not given us like we haven't seen Sarah in like a season and they never really made it clear like that that relationship was like I don't know, on the mend or like any not that like I care or I'm invested in it, but it just would be nice uh, if to know if, I don't know, they were also still on the rocks. Yeah, uh, but are we going to, I don't know if we're going to see Sarah again. I don't, I think we might in the, so so uh, just like, I guess some context. So season nine was supposed to be the penultimate season and that season 10 was like, you'll need to keep this in mind watching season 10. Mm-hmm. Season 10 was supposed to be it. 
and then like at the last minute, I guess the CW needed to fill out their schedule or something, so they renewed Seventh Heaven for an eleventh season. So you can know you can be sure that the eleventh season is straight garbage. But um, I don't know. Uh, I think Sarah might come back towards the end of the tenth season because they do bring back like everybody comes back for the last few episodes of the tenth season, or at least like the last two. Um, because it's it was supposed to be the like the end of the series. Okay, so I guess we'll see what happens. I, I that's actually a good thing for me to know going in. Um, that's season nine. Well, because like you like to think a lot about like the planning of the and like obviously the tenth season could like could and should have been the end mm-hmm. of the series, but uh, I don't know when we get to season eleven. I'll tell you about like what the conspiracy theories about the 11th season are. Ooh, or I can just tell you right now. No, don't tell me now. People think the Rev was dead, and it's all like a fantasy. Ooh. The 11th season. Oh, that's fun. Ooh, I can't wait to make my own conspiracy theories. <laughs> or just buy into that one. I'm going to make everyone gay. Um, <laughs> You've so, already done that. I'm very reasonable. Uh, so, that was season nine. What did you think? Um... I feel like I, I officially said that this this is the season where it jumped the shark. Maybe I said that last no, season. No, you, you've said that many times. I think in season seven was the first time you said it. Oh, okay. Well, I think this. I think actually this season was a lot more mellow. Um, it's not so many. Um, it's like kind of back to. I don't want to say like like less basic. of the. It's yeah. less of the. Uh, we've had less storylines where the rev goes and seeks people out and is like trying to help them. It's more just been, like, problems that, like, internal conflict, familial conflict, or conflict that with Martin and Ruthie or whatever. So I guess it's been, like, easy. I find it easier to watch when they're not, like, forcing these ridiculous storylines where, like, the Rev is, uh, like, going around and fixing the entire town because he can do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought, as I said, it was calmer, it was more mellow, I, it was easy to, like, um, digest, but doesn't necessarily mean it was entertaining. Uh, it was, it was, you know, it was a 3.5 season, but what about this episode? Uh, I will give this episode a three. I think that's pretty much where I've been Yeah. coming out on most of these episodes. I think, mm, I think I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, and I'll give it a four, uh, yeah, I gave the last one a five, so this one is a four. All right, so you can continue getting new episodes f- from us on SoundCloud.com. Well, on Wednesdays and Saturdays, mostly. Twice a week. We're trying for twice a week. Twice twice a week. Uh, and you can listen to those episodes on SoundCloud.com slash Camdencast, on the Apple iTunes podcast app, and on Stitcher. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash Camdencast. On Twitter and Instagram, our handle is at Cameron Cash Show. And you can always feel free to email us uh, at CamdenCast at gmail.com. I'm Erin. I'm Tanvi. This is Camden Cast. <laughs>